Praise God. John chapter 3, I want, to, I want you to go there with me. Some of you, I'm going to read a passage that, that um, you're very familiar with, but I want maybe to read it with uh, at least a, a shade of meaning that I think is uh, relevant to what we're going to talk about here this morning. Powerful, powerful, powerful passage of Scripture out of John chapter 3. Say amen when you've got it. We'll start reading at verse number one. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. How many know that's true? He was verified and validated, the miracles of Jesus validated uh, his identity and who he was. And this high muckety-muck spiritual leader, ruler among the Jews and elder comes to Jesus, the young, the young man, and has a series of questions that he wants to ask him because he sees the miracles and the validated uh, reality of who Jesus was. Jesus answered and said unto him, so he uniquely, verse number one and two, Nicodemus, this elder, it's kind of like he gives him a compliment. Like nobody can do what you do except God be with him. Interestingly, Jesus didn't say, oh, thank you very much. I appreciate that. Thank you for that compliment because he really didn't receive it as Dutch. He used it as a platform to speak some of the most powerful words of truth that could be spoken to an individual. And he was giving him direction. This elder comes to him, no man can do what you do except God be with him. And and Jesus looked at him and said, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now you need to, to, if you have a Bible, you're going to want to highlight that. And because Jesus is saying something very, very powerful here. He said, if you're not born again, so he's elevating the importance, not just a concept, but a fulfillment in a person's life. If you're going to get to base one in a relationship with God, you must be born again. It's not negotiable. You can't, you, nothing. There's a lot of outsiders. I've got to go quick here because we've got so much ground to cover. But there's a lot of outsiders that are on the outside looking in and they don't get why you live the way you live, why you do what you do, why you are all about what you're about. They don't get it and they never will until they're born again. Jesus said that. He said, you can't see it. There's some things, I mean, you're, you're going to get a glimpse of it. You'll have enough to be able to make a decision of faith so that you can be born again. But there are some things that, uh, that you will never see on the outside that you'll only see on the inside, which is why you have to be born again. And when you're born again, all of a sudden the lights go off and you begin to see things that you never saw before. He's telling this older man this. There's some things you've studied the law, you know a lot about a lot. But until you get born again, none of this is going to make full sense to you. Because when you're born again, all of a sudden you start to see what you've never seen. And I'm going to tell you, standing here right now, that's what happened in my life. When I got born again, all of a sudden for the first time in my life, the lights went off. And I was like, whoa, I didn't know this is what it was all about. You got to be born again. You have to be born again. Nicodemus asked him, I think, a, a relevant question. A very relevant question. If, if, if Jesus were to tell you you need to be born again, like, okay, okay, what does that mean? He said, how can a man be born when he is old? He's an old man. Can he enter into the, the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Like, that's weird. 
Are, are you getting it? Like full grown, uh, uh, I just, I'm not going to, I'll leave it right there. Full grown, you, you get it. Full grown adults cannot go back up into the womb and then be born. Because he's taught that's the first birth. Your mama brought you into this world. She may have threatened you and said, I can take you out, but she can't take you out of this world. She can bring you in, but only Jesus can take you out of this world, into the world to come. So you need to thank God for your mama. She brought you into this world, but you've got to thank, thank God for Jesus Christ that brings you into the life that's to come. That's the only way you're going to get there. He said, how can he, that happen? How does that take place? Gee, notice this, this is where I want to preach out of if I can get to this. Jesus answered, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he, man, I feel the Holy Ghost, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. You need to elevate that verse out of the Bible. He cannot enter into the kingdom of God unless you've been born of the water and of the spirit. And some of you are, are already ahead of me like, I know where pastor's going with this and you don't know where I'm going with this. Because he said, if that doesn't happen, listen, you cannot enter, watch very importantly, the kingdom, the kingdom of God. I want you to know there's a completely different kingdom that we are a part of now. It says, we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved. Let us serve God acceptably with godly reverence and fear. We've received, I want you to know if you're born again today, you are in an amazing place, in an amazing position, because you have access to what this world does not have access to, because you are presently, if you're born again, in the kingdom of God. You're in it now. All right? That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born again. Wind bloweth where it listeth. Thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh or whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the spirit. Except a man be born of water and spirit, he cannot enter entering. So this is about getting into the kingdom. Okay? So this morning, I want, I want to talk about legal citizenship and illegal immigration. Mm. And I'm going to take you one way, and then we're going to make some application, and I'm going to take you another way. I want to talk about legal immigration, legal citizenship. And specifically, I want to talk, I'm going to talk this morning about the oath of citizenship. Jesus, this word has already preached itself. It's powerful. I thank you so much for Please bring illumination, revelation, and insight. Help us, help us to get this. For those that are in the kingdom, help them to realize what they have. For those that are not in the kingdom, let them realize what it takes to get in the kingdom and what all this means, Lord. We don't just speak in tongues. We don't just, we're not just churchgoers. We're in a new kingdom. Give us revelation into that. Help us understand the, the rights and responsibilities and benefits of citizenship and what we have in this thing. And I pray just illuminate it to our hearts and minds. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. God bless you. Thank you for standing. For so long. <laughs> um, she stands in New York Harbor. She's a massive uh, emblem, the Statue of Liberty, beautiful to the myriad millions that have entered into the harbor and seen her, what she is representative of, and almost acting as a gateway, allowing access into what we have access to. And allow me just to say this. I'm, I'm going to say it because I'm thankful to God and I want God to know that I'm thankful, that I'm thankful to be a citizen of the United States of America. 
And if you don't appreciate that, shame on you. Because uh, you don't even know what you're breathing if, if you don't appreciate that. The freedom that you're breathing, what you have access to. At the foot of the Statue of Liberty, Emma Lazarus wrote a poem that is poignant, that is powerful in communicating to those that are coming what it is that they, all the bounty that they have access to. And she wrote, and I'll, I'll quote it to you, and we'll talk about that for a moment. She wrote, not with, <clears throat> excuse me, not like the brazen giant of Greek fame with conquering limbs astride from land to land. Here at our sea-washed sunset gates shall stand a mighty woman with a torch whose flame is the imprisoned lightning and her name, mother of exiles. From her beacon hand glows worldwide welcome. Her mild eyes command the air-bridged harbor that twin cities frame. Keep, it quotes, she writes, uh, keep ancient lands your storied pomp, cries she with silent lips. Give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free, the wretched refuse of your teeming shore. Send these, the homeless tempest tossed to me. I lift my lamp beside the golden door. It's beautiful. The title of this poem and the first two lines reference the Greek Colossus of Rhodes, one of the seven wonders of the ancient world, a famously gigantic sculpture that stood beside or straddled the entrance to the harbor of the island of Rhodes in the third century B.C. In this poem, Emma Lazarus contrasts that ancient symbol, that Greek Colossus of Rhodes, that ancient symbol of grandeur and empire. She quotes the brazen giant of Greek fame with what she is comparing that giant to the Statue of Liberty in and calling her the, the new Colossus. The new Colossus, the Statue of Liberty, a female embodiment commanding in, in that poem maternal strength. She's mother of exile. She's welcoming the masses to come onto our shores and be a part of our, our beautiful nation. The sea-washed sunset, ga sunset gates that are quoted are the mouths of the Hudson and East Rivers to the west of Brooklyn. The imprisoned lightning that's talked about refers to the electric light in the torch, which at the time that it was created was a novelty. It was amazing. That shining torch that would shine forth with this new invention of electricity. The huddled masses refers to the large numbers of immigrants arriving in the United States in the 1880s, particularly through the port of New York. Lazarus was an activist and advocate for Jewish refugees fleeing persecution in Imperial Russia. And so when they came into that harbor, they would see her standing there with that imprisoned lightning. And, and when folks saw that, their eyes would tear up and they would realize there, there is hope. I'm leaving the persecution of my past. I'm leaving the, the abuse that I've been under. And now I'm, I'm entering into a land of liberty. And it was... It was to the, the millions that have immigrated into our country. It has been a symbol of freedom and liberty, and it is a beautiful thing. And somebody said amen. amen. I wish I had a great big picture of it. I should have done better. But the Statue of Liberty welcoming folks into this beautiful country that we're allowed to be a part of. So when we talk about the subject of immigration, it is a powerful thing. And I would say it is also a wonderful gift. It is a gift to the world in many senses. We, the United States of America, are a nation of immigrants. And we thank God for that. Somebody said amen. amen. 
the opportunities that abound in our country, the, the amazing freedom and liberty that we have access to, all of us that are sitting here and breathing in a land of freedom and liberty that we have, if we could only understand in a fresh sense what we have access to, I, I think in a brand new way, we just say, thank God that I can go to church and live a liberated life in the founding of what our country is all about. So immigration is a beautiful thing. My last name, most of you know my last name is Lichtel. Lichtel. That is a German name. So uh, I came from the Germanic hordes. My family, generations ago, I need to do one of those 23andMe things and just find out. I'm a little scared what I might find out. But you know, going way back into our heritage, my family came out of Germanic-speaking peoples, right? My forebears came from those lands and at some point entered Ellis Island. And what a feeling that must have been generations back. And for most of us that are here, somewhere in our family tree, somebody came over from another nation from abroad and was able to come into this nation and experience all that we're able to experience. The feeling it must have been for them to escape, many of them, maybe horrible situations and to be able to come. They came here because of the promise of freedom. And as they came over here, the feeling that must have entered their hearts, the tears that streamed down their eyes, that we finally, we finally made it, we're, we're here. And so, in some senses, this is not just going to be a civics lesson today, and I'm not just going to preach about the United States, but there probably is a tremendous need in our country for there to be a whole lot more talking about some of these civic responsibilities as well as the rights that we have, as well as uh, I think there ought to be a sense of patriotism in our nation. Because that which you don't appreciate, you very quickly lose. And if we're not careful, we're only one uh, generation and certainly a few years away from losing a lot of the freedoms. And we're in the process already of that taking place right in, in front of our eyes as we look in our country right now. And it's because in some senses there is a lack of appreciation. There is a lack of gratitude. There is, there is a lack of patriotism. And for, to be able to just stop for a moment and say, well, man, I'm, I'm thankful that I was accepted in and I was allowed to become a part of this country is a powerfully important, important thing. They say that there's about a million green cards that are graciously granted every single year in the United States of America. A million green cards, which is one of the quickest pathways to citizenship. And so citizenship is the common thread that connects all Americans. We are a nation bound not by race or religion, but by the shared values of freedom, liberty, and equality. Throughout our history, the United States has welcomed newcomers from all over the world. Immigrants have helped shape and define the country that we know today. Their contributions, the contributions of millions of immigrants, has helped to preserve our legacy as a land of freedom and opportunity. More than 200 years after our founding, naturalized citizens are still an important part of our democracy. So what I'm saying, we are a nation of immigrants. And we are a people that welcome people from other lands to come here. We are a nation that believes in immigration. If that was not true, probably none of us would be here today. But I want you to know that there is a pathway to becoming an American citizen. You can't 
legally at least, you can't or shouldn't, legally, according to the laws of our own nation, you can't just come marauding any old way that you choose and come across our borders uh, and enjoy all the benefits of this without there being legally a pathway of citizenship that takes place. And allow me just to say here today, we got a massive problem in our country with illegal immigration. Now, I'm not here to get all political, so this is not a political, but I do, I do think there are some biblical principles here, and that is that we are a nation of laws, and laws are supposed to matter for something, and laws are meant to be followed, and laws are not meant to be uh, you know, not listened to. So we are a nation of laws, and that's what makes our nation in some senses what it is. But we have this thing called illegal immigration, and we don't blame that on the immigrant that's wanting to make their way in. We blame that on the lawmakers that are allowing that to take place when it shouldn't take place and encouraging the legal way to become a citizen in our country. Now, there's a series of steps I looked at this, this week and I found it very, very interesting. To become a US citizen, there are prerequisites, there are rules, there are requirements, there's a system. If a person wants to come and be a part of our country, there is, there's basically five steps that they have to take. Number one, they have to be 18 years of age. They have to be able to read, write, and speak basic English and be of good moral character. And that makes sense? We're not looking for every nation to send us, uh, you know, their worst people in their nation and just ship them on over here. We're looking for people that are, are good people and moral people that want to be a part of our country. That's number one. Number two, you have to apply for U.S. citizenship and you have to understand what U.S. citizenship is. You have to apply for it. You can't just like, hey, I deserve to be here. You have to apply for it. And then you have to have an interview where you meet with an interviewer that asks you a whole series of questions and you have to answer those questions correctly. Not anybody can just come in any old way. The next thing that you have to do, I, I didn't realize this until I looked into it further, you have to take a naturalization test. Do you realize that literally if you're gonna become a citizen of the United States, there are tests that you have to take. There is an English test and there is a civics test. There are certain fundamental things that if you're going to become an American, there are fundamental things that you have to know about America if you want to become an American. You have to know what our laws are. You have to know our constitution. There are, it's, it's, it's not rocket science, but they're basic fundamental principles that you have to learn if you choose to become a part of the United States of America. You have to know this. I went through the test this week and I did okay. I did okay. I did find it interesting when I went through the test. I thought, I wonder how many people in the United States, and this is not an indictment, but I wonder how many of our children, our young people, if they were to take that test, would have absolutely no clue as to the basic fundamentals of what it means to be an American citizen. You want to know why our country's in trouble right now? There's a lack of learning in certain areas. And the reason why people that live in one of the most bountiful places of freedom in the world are criticizing, critiquing, hating hating their own country is they don't know what their country is really all about. They don't understand some of the fundamental basics that should be understood. They haven't been taught them. They haven't been expected to learn them. And consequently, they have no appreciation of what they have. But if you're going to come from somewhere else, you have to go through this process. You have to learn some of the basics of what it means to be an American. You have to be able to answer certain questions. There's, a, there, there's an approach that is taken if a person's going to become a legalized citizen. And then finally, I did not know this. This was profound to me. Finally, the fifth step 
is that you have to stand before a group of people and you have to take an oath of citizenship. And that's my message this morning. The oath of citizenship. And I'm going to read it to you. The oath of citizenship. And I quote, this has to be spoken if you're going to become an immigrant and you're going to emigrate to America. I hereby declare on oath that I absolutely and entirely renounce and abjure all allegiance and fidelity to any foreign prince, potentate, state, or sovereignty. That's pretty powerful. In other words, my allegiance is here and it's not going to be somewhere else. It's going to be to this guy. If I choose to become a part, I absolutely and entirely renounce and abjure all allegiance and fidelity to any foreign prince, potentate, state, or sovereignty of whom or which I have heretofore been a subject or citizen, that I will support and defend the Constitution and laws of the United States of America. They're, they're swearing an oath that they will support the Constitution against all enemies, foreign, domestic, and that I will bear true faith and allegiance to the same, that I will bear arms on behalf of the United States when required by law, that I will perform non-combatant service in the armed forces of the United States when required by the law, that I will perform work of national importance under civilian direction when required by the law, and that I take this obligation freely without any mental reservation or purpose of evasion. In other words, they're not lying to this oath just to get in here so that they can subversively get in here and then change America from the inside out. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That I take this without many, any mental reservation or purpose of evasion, so help me God. So what are you saying? I'm saying, this country, we believe in immigration. Our nation is a nation of immigrants. Somebody say amen. amen. It's a good thing. We're a city set on a hill that's welcome to the multitudes. We welcome people from all, all areas of the world. Though, but listen, those that enter into our country must espouse our values. They must espouse the Constitution. And what makes us a nation, they have to espouse those things and swear an oath of allegiance. Can I tell you this morning? America has a problem. It's called illegal immigration. I know it's a power powder kegged conversation to have in America today, but there is an immigration crisis in America. Allow me to say this. We don't blame the immigrants for wanting to come. We should be blaming the lawmakers that are not doing their job to fix the laws that should be fixed. We should blame the executive branch that isn't enforcing the laws that are on the books and is allowing millions to pour in over porous borders. It's wrong. I will, allow me to say this as a caveat to the church. Our kingdom is in heaven. I'm thankful to live here, but my citizenship is in heaven. And so there is a massive immigrant population in America that we who are the church are saying in Jesus' name, that is our harvest field. Amen? So from that vantage point as the church, hey, whosoever will, let them come and drink of the water of life freely. We want to reach everybody in America, however they got here. So when we're talking about the issue of civically speaking, what is the problem with illegal immigration? Civically speaking, I've got some words if you're taking notes here this morning. It's called assimilation. Assimilation. 
What does that mean? That means that if I, you know, if I'm in Botswana and I want to immigrate to America, then I have to learn what America is all about. I have to learn about our constitution. I have to willingly say that I will assimilate to this country, that I will adopt her values. I don't know if you're making the connection yet. We'll make that connection very shortly. I will accept her laws. I will accept her form of governance. I will accept uh, her constitution, and it's called Americanization. What does a, a, an immigrant need to know to become a part of the American family when, when it's said in America, you're us now? It means that I'm going to contribute positively to culture. I'm going to be a moral person. I'm going to know our values. I'm going to understand what it means to be a constitutional republic, that there are certain values and laws that make us who and what we are, that, that there is a bill of rights, that there is a constitution. There are all these things that are at work, and at the end of the day, do I agree to this contract before I come into the country and immigrate into this country? I have to want to be here, and I have to be willing to play by the rules when I come here. If not, if you just give amnesty to a whole group of people that don't espouse our values, that don't espouse what it means to be in America, all of a sudden you, you could have a subversive element that changes the country from the inside out because they have not assimilated to the values of what it means to be an American. But if you follow the immigration process, you can become a citizen of the United States. An outsider can become an insider. Now, will you allow me to launch from this point? Can I get into the Bible now? Get away from our civics lesson. Can I say this? I used to be an outsider, but now I'm an insider. I used to not be in the church, but I'm in the church now. I used to not serve God, but I'm serving God now. I used to not know about the laws of God, but I know about the laws of God now. I was born into this world a sinner, but I was born into the kingdom of God a saint. I came into this thing and I made some choices and I signed on a dotted line. And there was an oath of allegiance that took place. And you know when it took place? It took place when I was born again of the water and of the spirit. Because when I went down in that water, I took on the name of my God, the author of the kingdom of God, who is the Lord Jesus Christ. When I went down in water in the name of Jesus, the name of the kingdom is Jesus. And I came into the kingdom of God and received the name of Jesus. But I didn't just get the name of Jesus because he told Nicodemus, you got to be born of the water and of the spirit. Because when you get Jesus inside of you, then you get the nature of the kingdom inside of you. You have the name of the kingdom and you have the nature of the kingdom inside of you. When you're born again, you come into the kingdom of God and you become a part of the kingdom of God. When you got Jesus' name on your life, Life, and you got Jesus' spirit in your life, you now have the nature of the kingdom of God inside of you. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, praise God. And I'm not an, outs I'm not an outsider anymore. 
Way back in the old building, we used to, some of you were, weren't even there then, but we had, we had a, a wonderful, quaint little sanctuary. We had doors that were in the back, and those doors had little square. We didn't have like these full light glass doors that we have now. We had, there's just a little square of glass that was in there, and it had little lines through it. almost looked like a prison cell kind of. And church would be, we'd be going on, and we'd have young people that had friends that were outside of the church while church was going on. They'd look through that glass in the door and find out church is still going on because they were an outsider. But I'm so thankful I'm not an outsider in the church anymore. I'm an, I'm an insider because an invitation to freedom came my way of a better life for me. Oh, thank God that I could be born into, uh, oh, God, help us today, into the kingdom of God. I was born into the kingdom of God. I immigrated into the kingdom of God. I was changed by the power of God. And now I'm in the kingdom of Jesus. Praise God. Watch Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11. Wherefore, remember that you being in time past. Everybody say, this is what I used to be. In time past, what I used to be, Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by that which is called circumcision in the flesh made by hands. That's what I used to be. That at that time, when I was a Gentile, when I was a sinner, when I was living like a dirt bag, at that time, you were without Christ. Now watch some of the biblical words that are used here. Very, very interesting. Being aliens. We were illegal aliens that were outside. Aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, and notice strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. That's what we used to be. But now, verse 13 says, in Christ Jesus, but now in Christ Jesus, you who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. We were outsiders. We were strangers. We were illegal aliens. We had no part or parcel in the kingdom of God. But thank God for the blood of Jesus. And thank God for the cross of Calvary. And thank God for a blood-soaked red carpet that was rolled out before us. Saying, bring me your huddled masses. Those that are teeming and looking for freedom in their lives. There's freedom in Jesus. And you used to be an outsider. But God allowed you citizenship into something that you never had before when he brought you into the kingdom of God and you were born again of the water and the spirit. You had access and gained interest into something that you never had in your life up until that point. Praise God. Oh, praise God. Amen. It says, for he is our peace who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity or the division, even the law of commandments contained in the ordinances, for to make in himself of two one new man, so making peace. And then he might reconcile both unto God and one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, and came and preached peace to you which were afar off and to them which are nigh. For through him, Jesus, we both have access by 
by one spirit unto the Father. Now, therefore, now you are no more strangers and foreigners. Uh, but notice the word here, but fellow citizens uh, with the saints uh, and of the household uh, of God. You are now a citizen of the kingdom uh, of God. You are now in the kingdom uh, of God. You have benefits uh, that come to being a part of this nation. You have rights as being a part of the church of the living God. But not only do I have rights in being part of the church of the living God, I also have responsibilities if I'm going to be a part of the church of the living God. I used to be an outsider, but I'm an insider. Something amazing happened when I was born again. Amen. We that are in the church are not naturalized citizens. We are supernaturalized citizens. Something supernatural happened when Jesus said, you have to be born again. And I want to reiterate that truth, and I hope the apostolic church stands on its toes with gratitude and thanksgiving and preaching to a lost world that you can be born again. I don't care what background you've come from. It's not about ethnicity. It's not even about how bad you've been or how good you've been. But there is an entrance that has been made available to every single human being on planet Earth that's still living and breathing. That there is an opportunity for people that they can come into the kingdom. If you want to be, listen, if you want to be saved, you can be saved. If you, God will give you the choice. If you want to go to hell, you can go to hell. But you're going to have to walk over a cross to get to hell because he wants everybody to go to heaven. He wants everybody in the world to come to know him. Everybody in the world has an equal opportunity to be able to be born again. But listen up, church. There's only one way for it to happen. You can't sneak in the back door. You can't quote unquote join the church. You don't sign a document. You don't come to the preacher and say, preacher, will you accept me into this church? Because it's not about whether the preacher accepts you into the church or not. It's whether or not one prerequisite. Have you been born again? Have you been baptized and born of the water? Have you been filled with the Spirit of God? Anybody that wants to be born again, we, there's only one way to get into God's kingdom. <laughs> and we love everybody. We want everybody to make it in. But you can't, you can't just join the church. This isn't like a golf club. A country club. Amen. You can't join. You don't. I, I, I mean, I wish you could. I wish it worked out. It's not how it works. Because something has to happen. There's an oath of allegiance. And can I tell you, when you come into the church, you don't just become a river of lifer. It's not about our ABC acronym of our denomination that we come out of. Folks, there is a new birth experience that happens. That the proof is in the pudding. I look across this place here today and I see people that used to be one thing and now there's something different. You know why? Because something took place in their life. Uh, something happened inside of them. Something changed within them. The blood was applied to their life. Their sins were washed away. They got a new identity. The Lord cleaned up their conscience. God gave them the gift of the Holy Ghost and all of a sudden desires that they never had, they now have in their life. Uh, they didn't want to go to church and all of a sudden they got the Holy Ghost now and they can't wait to go to church. 
They said, I'll never act like that. I'll never be like those people. Come on, some of you are, are ones that said that. I'll never do the things they're doing. All of a sudden, now you're in the church and you're doing it and you're loving it. Let me tell you why. Because something happened in your life that changed your life. Something happened in your life that absolutely transformed you. And you're now, you walk through a door and you're now a citizen of the kingdom of God. Oh, God, help me to get this point across. God, help me to get this point across. You are a citizen of the kingdom of God. We are no longer strangers or foreigners, but we are fellow citizens. We are not illegal aliens. We, we, we're, we, there isn't just a church residency. There, there is a citizenship that takes place. There are folks that reside in the United States, but they are not citizens. Of the, they reside here. They hang out here. If I can make some application, this is where wheat and tares come in. This is where a mixed multitude comes in. And we're after everybody. But church attendance does not always equate with church membership. We can have 700 in attendance on a Sunday morning. At the end of the day, the number that's being counted in heaven is who has been born again of the water and the spirit, who has immigrated into the kingdom, who has adopted the kingdom values, who has the name of Jesus placed on their life in the waters of baptism. And by the way, people ask the question, do you have to be baptized? Jesus said you had to be baptized. I'll let the scripture answer that. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He told Nicodemus, you must be born again of the water. And of, he said, must. It is a prerequisite. You have to be born. Do you have to be baptized? Do you have to be born of the water? You do. That's what the scripture says. Do you have to get the Holy Ghost? What did you? You have to be born of the Spirit because it's those two elements that give us citizenship into the kingdom. And, and, and then we're not an illegal immigrant that's just hanging around the church. We're not just hanging around singing the songs with everybody else. And we have an open door policy. Anybody can come, whosoever will. But, but I don't determine church membership. Jesus determines church membership. And church membership is when somebody's been born again of the water and of the spirit and they enter into the kingdom. Something happens when you're born again. You get into the kingdom of God. You leave the old kingdom and you step into a new kingdom. You, you renounce all association and connection with the nation that you used to be a part of when you were in the world. You leave the world behind and you walk into the kingdom of God where there's new laws and new culture and new dreams and new vision and new plan. Amen. A new way of life new laws. Uh, we have a constitution in this church. Uh, do you want to know what the constitution is? Uh, it's the word of God. Jesus. And when you're born again, you're born into the family. We become brothers and sisters in the family of God. Remember I talked about immigration in America? It's an Americanization. In other words, it's the values of America. But what happens when you come into the church? It's Christianization. I become what Jesus wants to be, me to become now. We're not a bunch of groupies that just go to church. We're not groupies. This is not a bunch of groupies. We're born again. We're citizens now. Watch what it says, Galatians 3.26. You are all children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For you are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. 27. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. 
As many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female for you are all one in Christ Jesus. You are all one in Christ Jesus. There is a universal immigration policy in the church. Anybody is welcome if they're born again. The doors are wide open. The way has been made into a brand new kingdom through the blood of Jesus Christ. So how do you become a part of the church? Is it by attendance? Do you become a part of the church by attendance? Well, that's the church I go to. I'm on the, I'm on the rolls at that church. Is it after a certain number of services that you attend, you become a part of it? Is it by a verbal proclamation? Well, I go to River of Life Church. What does the Bible say? We become a part of the kingdom when we are born again. <laughs> when you're born again, you enter a new kingdom. We have to understand this. I think the greatest problems that people experience in their life is they forget that they're in a new kingdom. We don't just add Jesus to our lives. Jesus is our life. I don't add him to the long litany list of, you know, responsibilities I have. Yeah, I go to work. I, I work at Olympac. I, you know, I put in my, I, I, I'm a U.S. citizen and, and I'm, I'm a Christian too. <laughs> He's everything. <laughs> it's all about Jesus. It's a takeover, man. 100%. I think we need more. There's, there's no, there's no uh, fine print here. It's like, let's just get them in the tank, get them baptized real quick. Let's get them real bit. And then we'll tell them all. <laughs> That's why Jesus said, teach, baptize, teach. Eat my flesh and drink my blood. And one of the biggest backdoor revivals you ever saw in Jesus' ministry. It's hasta la vista, baby. I don't want none of that. I like I li I li I that, that free free. Free bread you give and that fish, them fish sticks are out of this world. That's like manna. That's some good stuff. But eat your flesh and drink your blood. I don't think I want to do none of that. But Jesus said, I'd rather have a handful of real people that are really, that are really in the kingdom than a bunch of fakes and frauds and mannequins acting like they are. Because he said, there is power when you're born again. There's no small print. You say, what's it take? What's it take to be born again? Not much, just everything. What's Jesus want in your life? Oh, not much, just everything. <laughs> I don't know about that. Well, you probably ought to count the cost then. I, and I, I'm not here as a preacher. I'm, I'm, here to, I'm, I'm here as a preacher, but I'm not here as a preacher to talk people out getting in the kingdom, but I am here as a preacher to challenge people to think about what you're getting into before you get into it. You want to get into it. You want to get all the way in. You want to. You want to get all the way in. But you got to know that when you do it, you're signing up for something. You're signing up saying, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You're, you're signing up. This is the kingdom that I'm in now. I'm in the kingdom of God. There's new laws that I'm following now. Come on, somebody. There's new laws that I'm following now. I'm walking by a new principle of life. The problem is we got people that, that come into the church and they want the old laws of that. They want to be able to do whatever they want to do and still enjoy all the benefits of citizenship and can I just tell you that won't work in your life I'm going to be bold and straightforward as I know how to be that won't work in your life if you're going to get in you got to get all the way in I realize come on it doesn't happen all at once I understand that 
I've pastored more than six months. It doesn't happen all at once. Uh, but the moment that you dig your heels in and say, I ain't doing that. I'll go to church and I'll do this if I want. But I ain't doing that. I ain't. Well, that's about the moment that you start to grow. Because listen, when you got into the kingdom, you were signing up an oath of allegiance to God. Saying it's about his kingdom. It's not about what I, well, I don't think I want to tithe. Well, you ought to just maybe think about that a little while. I'll go to church, but I don't, I'm not into all this holiness stuff. I don't think... Well, I'm just telling you, at some point, you'd be in the kingdom long enough, you start to adopt kingdom values in your life. At some point, your mind, you don't, the church is never going to change to fit you, ever. Is this church going to change to fit me, nor is it going to change to fit you? When I come into the church, I change to match up to my lovely Lord. I change to become like him, oh, to be like Jesus, to be like Jesus on earth. I long to be like him all through life's journey from here to glory somehow to be like Jesus and if I'm going to be a good pastor and a good preacher I'm going to challenge you to that I thank God that you're here I thank God every time we have a crowd preachers love crowds Preachers love, I, I love a crowd. I love, give me a thousand people. But I'm going to tell you what, when it comes, you got to be born again if you're going to be in the kingdom. And if you're born again, you're, you're, going to re, you're in the kingdom. Do you get it? The kingdom. There's a constitution. There's laws. There's culture. You can't bring worldly culture in the church. Say, I, don't think, I, think, I don't think that really matters. I don't think. Because listen, when you get in the church, it's a new lifestyle. If it's real, if it's real, it will change your life. You get into the kingdom, there's new attitudes. <laughs> and the Lord gives us new attitudes, doesn't he? Sometimes that old, the kingdom that I came out of, that old attitude tries to come out, don't it? Am I preaching to anybody? Come on, that old kingdom I used to be a part of, that old attitude starts to percolate up in my life, and I have to say, no, in the name of Jesus. No, that's the old man. That's the old life. That's the old attitude. That's the old kingdom. I was born again, and now I'm in this kingdom, so I can't act like that. And be, No, 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 I'm not going to let myself act like that because I'm in a new kingdom. I'm going to adapt and adopt and pray and fast and seek the Lord and allow God's word to shape and transform me and allow me to be like him it doesn't happen by being a groupie that happens by getting in the kingdom and understanding I'm in the kingdom I'm in the kingdom of God there's new customs in the kingdom of God do you know that the true real church is going to look different than the world it's going to act different than the world come on somebody it's going to sound different. Worship is going to be different. It's all going to be different. If we try to acquiesce and soft sell and soft pedal this thing just to, just to somehow try to appease a lost world and try to make it palatable and water it down, can I tell you, it'll never work. Because this world, if, if that's what they wanted, they would just stay there. What they're looking for is that which is different. They're looking for that which really works. And the kingdom of God is diametrically opposed to the kingdom of this world. And so the darker that the world gets, the brighter the church is going to get. Listen, the more the church is going to stand out, the 
the more the church's value system is going to be different than the world. The way the church thinks is going to be different than the world. Our positions are going to be different than the world. You know why? Because we have a different constitution and we have forsworn to say we walk away from that old constitution. I'm now a a legal immigrant. I am now a legal citizen in the kingdom of God and this is now the rule of my faith, the word of God. And though none go with me, still I will follow. I'm going to walk this way though the world swerves in a different direction. This is the rule of the kingdom of God and I will follow this. Mock, disparage, spit, throw vegetables, uh, do what you do, uh, but ask for me in my house. I'm in a new kingdom. I'm living for the Lord. What I believe matters. What we believe matters. It's not just like this vanilla flavor of Christianity. Hey, whatever you want it to be. We got this great big smorgasbord. It's called ecumenicalism. We'll take a little bit of this. I like, a, I like this kind of, this is what I really like about the church. And I like, the, I don't really like this. You know, it's like vegetables. Just give me the, give me the steak like I ate last night. I just, I want this and I want this and I want this and I want this. And, but I don't like all that other stuff. No, we want all of it because if it's in the kingdom, it's the will of God. Doctrine matters. Lifestyle matters. Come on, somebody. What you believe as a child of God matters. And can I just, I'm trying not to scream at you. <laughs> What you believe matters. What you believe matters. Not just, oh, the church believes that. What you believe matters. If you've attended here for longer than three, four years, what you believe matters. What you've adopted in your life matters. So I'm just going to be the odd guy out. I'm just, you know, I, I have a different way of seeing things. You're seeing things wrong. Well, I see it like this. I see it like that. Listen, the Bible is the rule of our faith. The word of God. My opinion in about two bucks will buy me a cup of coffee. Well, I think. Who cares? I want to know what does God say? What does God say? Because I'm in the kingdom of God. I'm no longer a stranger. I'm not an illegal alien. No, I love the doctrine. I love the doctrine, Lord, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all, through all, and in us all. New birth matters. Amen. We, we want to see thousands of people in this area born again, don't we? We want to see a revival that, 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 just, that, that just is earth-shattering. We want to see a revival that just blows our... That's what we want to see. But can I tell you at the same time, when they come in, may there be assimilation. It's not Americanization, because at the end of the day, that's not really going to matter all that much. What's really going to matter is Christianization. Have I become like him? Am I more like Jesus one year down the road than what I was last year? I want to assimilate into the kingdom of God. The church is not going to change to fit me. I change to fit the church. God and his doctrine doesn't change to fit me. Well, it rubs me wrong, but but guess what? God's not going to change. But I change to fit his doctrine. I assimilate to him. That's where there is power. We have a passion for this message. We thank God for this message. Come on. I wish we were, Linda not here this morning. Is she out sick? I wish she could get up and sing that song, Not For Sale. Not For Sale. We're not for sale. Come on. There's no price tag on, on our soul.
We're not for sale. We're not selling out. Because the end of the day, we're in the kingdom. And can I tell you the kingdom that we're a part of? It is an eternal kingdom. It's a forever kingdom. Kings and kingdoms will all pass away. But there's something about that name. Every other kingdom is going to pass away. But the kingdom of our God is forever and ever and ever and ever. And I'm in the kingdom. Stand together with me this morning. Passion for the message. Passion for the mission. Hallelujah. To be a citizen of the United States of America, there are a couple things very, very important. Number one, there are rights. Isn't it interesting that I think carnality, the majority of the time, is reaching and espousing and wanting the rights. Isn't it interesting? I mean, if you, all you have to do is in contemporary American society, look at all of the, the banners, the loud speech, the verbiage, everything about rights, rights. I have a right, I have this right. And we, and we do, we do. We have a lot of rights and that's awesome. And I think in a spiritual sense, to know what our rights are is a powerful thing. I, I do, I think it's, it's great. But rights are counterbalance with responsibilities rights and responsibilities rights and responsibilities so as an american citizen um i should be a good that's why they want moral citizens i should be a good I, in other words i should produce something for society I, I i should bring something positive to my world right i have a responsibility to live by the laws of this nation and to bring something positive civic duty and responsibility isn't it amazing in the church it's the same way we have all the rights, so many rights, so many biblical rights that have been given to us. We thank God for that. But man, we also have responsibilities. And that's where the strength comes in living for God. Probably my favorite, one of my favorite scriptures is Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33. Jesus said, but seek ye first, first, the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. It's kind of like he's saying, if you'll, if you'll just, he's the potentate of the kingdom. He's saying like, if you'll just put me first, if you'll, if you'll allow the Lord to be the Lord in your life and you'll allow him to be the king of your life, seek ye first, put him first. Isn't that, if we're honest here, the greatest competition in all of our lives, isn't it? That there's things that are competing for that pole position in our life. There are things that are reaching for that pole position that's trying to box out Jesus being first. Work is there and money's there and what about the future and worry can crowd out. Anxieties come in. Sins that are trying to pull me off the beaten pathway. All these things are pressing against me, trying to pull pole position in my life. But Jesus said, but put me first. Seek ye first. First, first, first. The kingdom of God and his righteousness. And Jesus said, and all these things will be added unto you. Isn't it amazing that when we put Jesus in his rightful place, things just start falling in place in our life. If I try to put other things first, it just, man, you just, it just doesn't work. But if you put Jesus first, everything, because that's what he wants. It's, this is his kingdom. It's his domain. That's why we pray the prayer what prayer do we pray? Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth 
like it is there. Someday we're going to be there forever and ever. This is like, this is like a dress rehearsal for eternity. Like right here. We need to practice all this out. Down here. We get there. We're going to be a naturalized citizen. It's going to be like, oh yeah, this is, this is just like what we've been doing our whole life here on planet Earth on steroids. When you get to heaven, it's like what you've been doing here multiplied by a million, but it's not going to be so foreign to what we've lived here because we've been living the kingdom here. When we step into the eternal kingdom, it's not going to be like, whoa, this is diametrically different. That's why sinners don't go into the eternal kingdom. Saints go into the eternal kingdom because they've been living this life here before they get there. I'm wondering this morning in this church here today, how many want to be a citizen of heaven? I'm wondering today, how many want to live out the values of the kingdom? I wonder today, how many along with me that we're walking a pathway? We're not all 100% there, but one thing that we've made up our mind is the direction of our life. We're going for Jesus. We're going for the word of God. We're going for the truth of the kingdom. We're going for God's will in our life. We're putting our flesh down. We're putting the world behind because we're in the kingdom of God. Come on, I wonder how many of us here today, how many are, are living that commitment out? And Sunday, today, it's a reminder for us when Monday comes, let's live that way. Let's walk that way. If that's the way that you feel today, I'm going to open up these altars and invite you to come today as we give ourselves to God.